Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps. I am David Levake, uh, host co-host of this podcast with Jim Paulson. Hey, you. Uh, we got I'd like to put a new title on you if I could, because the first Associated Press rankings are out for football teams throughout the state. You have taken on the task of compiling all those votes and getting it all together, and I think you're the godfather of the polls, is what you are. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to call it a Herculean task, but it is time-consuming. A couple of years ago, um, we used to compile, the the state used to compile uh, state rankings through the Associated Press, and they did it through their offices in Spokane, Washington, and they had a way to do it uh, online to vote in each each class with drop-downs and things like that. Then suddenly, I, I think the woman who ran it, died. She did. Rest in peace, Catherine Hills. Catherine Hills, Hills yes. And, and she passed away, and they decided not to continue compiling them for us. So we heard that, I think last year, about a week before the regular season, that there wasn't going to be any state rankings. And I thought that was important to have for football. Um, there was one media member locally that wanted to do his own rankings and publicize them, but that was his own rankings, his own personal opinion. And uh, and so I decided, well, we'll let's, let's see what we can compile and cobble together. So I compiled, I, I talked to a number of uh, media members around the state. They all agreed to do it and uh, was able to do it last year. And I, and I think by default, I was the guy to, get to, to do it again this year. So um, getting, uh, I think we had 11 different voters give me seven different sets of rankings across all seven classes. So that was a lot to uh, manage and, and kind of uh, wrangle. But I think I got it done and we got it done this week and got the, uh, a representative set of state rankings. And my public apology is in order because I was one of the delinquent ones to submit rankings Sunday night, both me and Ron Paulson, excuse me, uh, Ron Hagstrom at the Star Tribune. That's so your colleagues are letting you down. We're sorry for that. Well, you know, there were, I get, interestingly, I'd sent out a couple of emails early to, to let people know what was happening. Um, and I was hoping to get more back by a certain time on Sunday, but I got about half done. By that, by the time I wanted to, and then the rest got sent in. When people get distracted, they get have other things going on, uh, and I can understand that. I, I do know that I was uh, I was up till about two thirty in the morning on Sunday night, and again on about six thirty in the morning on Monday morning, you know, finishing compiling these things so I could send them out at a decent hour on uh, Monday morning so they can be disseminated throughout the state. In addition to having those logistical challenges with your inconsiderate colleagues and others. <laughs> Uh, this is a what we've talked about off air. And what I think is worth mentioning is these, this first poll of the year. It the uh, the amount of teams that get picked. I think it was Class Three A had the top ten rankings, and then it had another eleven in the other receiving votes. And I think that that will get better as time goes on. But this first week is always it's it's pretty uh, you know, pretty uh, cast the net cast the net wide. Yeah, you know, and uh, most of the voters. They know the traditionally good teams, and so you might have four or five of the same names that are that you recognize. Um, but then there's the rest of the voting is all over the place. You have a lot of teams with one that were mentioned on one ballot, and uh, it depends on where they're mentioned. If they're mentioned high, they get more points. If they're mentioned low, they get fewer points. So it may look like they're more popular, more uh, um, got more votes than they really did. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, this season, this next week will uh, be a little bit uh, uh, easier to compile because we'll have a baseline set for every single class. We'll have a top ten, and you can vote off of those. So I, I anticipate it being a little easier do this you, week. Do you mind unpacking that 
scenario because you'd made a, a, a comment off air about Dassel Calcato. There was some, con, uh, I think it was them. I hope that's them if I'm not remembering this right. Mm-hmm. But it was like, how did they get to be number one? And you explained the the way the votes came in and, and how to, maybe you, if you could share that, I think that's helpful to understand, people to understand about how this comes together. Well, Dassel Calcato was ranked number one in class 3A with only two first place votes. That's what it was. And uh, the three other teams got. Uh, at least three first-place votes, right. weren't ranked number one. And there was questions about how can that be. Well, the problem is, the difference is that you get points for every vote you get in the one through ten. And because a first-place vote is worth ten points, but a second-place vote is worth nine, third is worth eight, and so on and so forth. Dassel was ranked in all 11 ballots, and nine of them were uh, ranked first, second, or third. And only one was as low as sixth, another was fifth. So they were ranked highly on all 11 ballots, which is why their cumulative point total elevated them to number one, despite having not as many first place votes as some of the other teams in Class 3A. That explains that. Well, so let's tell you know, Dassel was a bit of a surprise if you looked at the first place votes and, and had the same question that was brought to you about how are they not number one. What other, what other surprises or takeaways did you have, whether a team that did better than you thought they might or a team that didn't do as well as you thought they should? It's hard to say a team that didn't do as well as I, uh, I thought they should, but I look at a team like Elk River, the defending state champions, who always are good at this, t- and they're always a formidable opponent because they play a very difficult side of offense for other teams to defend, and they're a uh, uh, competitive every year. They were the state champions last year in Class 5A, undefeated. This year, tough for schedule. They're 0-2, um, I think by a grand total of maybe 10 points at this point of the season. Um, but uh, they're 0-2, and so they didn't make the Class 5A rankings. I would be completely shocked if Elk River is not in the mix by the end of the season, uh, at least in the quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, but at this point of the season, two games in, uh, with an 0-2 record, I they're not in the top 10, and, and they probably don't deserve to be strictly based on their record at this point. I'm not saying Elk River's not a possibility of a top-10 team, and Coach Steve Hamilton has had, developed a great program there. But I think at this point of the season, we're looking at how teams have actually fared through the season, not what we anticipate them to be or what they have done in the past. And I think that's important because we strive when we talk about our metro, all Metro teams at the end of the year, we talk about our Metro players of the year. One of the big criteria is maybe the only major criteria is did they have the year we didn't want to talk about some kids will commit to colleges a few years in advance and other kids will come off a monster junior year and and sometimes coaches misconstrue that award as being a lifetime achievement award it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be who had the year and that's something that I think I'm glad in the sense that Elk River is not ranked right now because right now they don't deserve it based on their performance so far this year and you look at the Class 5A rankings, will stay in that class at this point. There are teams that definitely deserve it, and there are teams that may have played a little bit higher than anybody anticipated that probably won't be in the rankings by the time the uh, um, season ends. But right now, for what they've accomplished and the fact that they've been playing winning football, they deserve a little recognition at this point of the season. That's right. That's right. I, in fact, I get a, a kick out of I think I want to say at some point in one of the – classes I think I'd voted for maybe it was Minneapolis Henry so I think they were 2-0 and start I think and I mm-hmm. I think I put them in my top 10 they ultimately wound up in the others receiving votes but I had the thought of 
How cool is it to be able to to vote for Henry right now because of the record that they have have out there right now? I didn't look at who they played, but I just you two and zero that means something, and so I, I did give them a vote in my poll for that for that, for that reason you kind of descri- described. And a team like Henry, I think it's vitally important for a program to be sustainable and to continue to attract kids to know that they're getting recognized for what they've done for playing winning football because a school like Henry has uh, issues that some other schools don't have to deal with. And uh, when you are recognized, when people notice that you're playing excellent football, when you're doing something well, I think it's important to make sure that these kids get a pat on the back once in a while. Absolutely. I, I share the love. You know what I mean? The, 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 the final rankings and, and the playoffs, that'll, that'll kind of determine all those things later. But for right now, you can love a team for where they're at, and that, and you justify to do it. I don't. Um, I didn't have any real impressions about anything that I learned in the six A poll because we spend most of our time around six A programs. Eden Prairie, eight number eight first place votes. They're number one by a pretty wide margin. Lakeville South, they got a first place vote. They're number two. Lakeville North, who also got a first place vote, they're number three, and then Shakopee. In four, they got a one first place vote. Minnetonka rounds out the top five, and then Centennial at six. You've talked a lot about Centennial. They've definitely made an impression on you. You had them last week. You saw them uh, kind of wallop Blaine. And, and what do you what do you like about Centennial? What I like about Centennial is that they seem to be a little bit more varied and a little bit more diverse than the Centennial teams that have been good in the past. Centennial is always competitive. They play a a smash mouth kind of you know hit you hard and, and, and make you know you're in a football game style of play. But they always played kind of an option offense, and they weren't going to run up a lot of points, and they weren't going to beat you with big plays. This year's a little bit different. They've got some speed in the backfield and some um, talent in the backfield that they didn't have. Uh, Maverick Harper, their running back, was rushed for almost 400 yards this year, was injured all this last season. He ran for 181, I think it was, on there. It might have been 186 on Friday night, he's added a dimension. They've got a speed dimension in Ty Bergoon. They've got a quarterback in Dalen Cummings, who's a third-year uh, guy. And they've got some other uh, a tight end who's big and strong and fast. Just don't throw to him enough, but he, as an added dimension, caught a touchdown pass in the game. So they're a much more diverse, well-rounded team than they have been in the past, and they'll still play tough defense. So that's a real good combination to have. A couple of years ago, I had a Centennial home game, and they – announced the team and the players were come running out and whoever was the first the leader of that came out and hit a sledgehammer and I thought if that doesn't kind of summarize Centennial right there you know now you're saying that was le- uh, legitimate he brought that out on purpose he didn't just carry it up because he came from the, the job site or he was doing demolition before the game had it day. over his shoulder <laughs> yeah, like the crusher exactly. with the two by four you know? no it was it was a prop that you know some teams you've seen it chains they've, they've whatever the little their little um, uh, the token that, that kind of represents their mission or their motto mm-hmm. for that year. So that, that sledgehammer was theirs, and it, it definitely made an impression on me because I could still recall it. And that is a team that if you had to ask me to pick a team that is represented by a sledgehammer um, before the season, I think Centennial would be in my short list. I'm going to see them this week. They play at Maple Grove on Thursday, and that's going to be an interesting game because Maple Grove had just blew a 17 17- point lead, uh, 17-0 lead, I should say, uh, against Champlain Park in the first half and then ultimately lost last week by a point. That ended their streak and, and everything else. They're looking to redeem that and try to kind of re- reintroduce people to Maple Grove. And Centennial would like nothing better 
than to hang a L on them and, and give themselves a little bit added legitimacy. Well, so I, there's yeah. a lot at stake. I do know that that was a, a point of emphasis after the Centennial game when they beat Blaine, what was it, 45-20, to 20, I believe, on Friday night, that, that now they're going to go out and they're going to see the defending state champions, Maple Grove. That's going to be kind of a litmus test for them. And they're psyched. They're ready for that game. Um to play on the road. I think they were the last, didn't you tell me they were the last team to actually win at Maple Grove yeah. in, in about three or four, about three years ago. So yeah. it should be a very competitive game, and uh, and uh, it'll be a fun one. I've got on Friday night, I've, I've got, uh, well, you should probably start with your press box woes with Tino Grace. Well, it's not necessarily woes, but Tino Grace has, you know, was traditionally a great Class 6A program for so many years, uh, and we've made a big deal of the fact that they were playing up Two classes. They should have been in class four because of their enrollment, but because they were willing to to play the quality depth that they needed to and to play the opponents that they wanted to, they were able to be competitive with class six for the longest time, even winning a state championship. But um, a couple of years ago, they hit some hard times. Enrollment was down a little bit, and I think they went through back-to-back one and eight seasons. They dropped back down to class four A this year where they belong uh, enrollment-wise. And now they're two and zero, and they're back in the rankings, and they're 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 prominent again. So I'll be covering Totino Grace against that uh, uh, cl- class four A juggernaut Hutchinson, you know, a team that is willing to. They're like a Mack truck that wants to back over you, run over you, and back over you again. <laughs> um, that's a team that that is going to be a, a real test for Totino Grace, and I'm going to be out there on on Friday night. It's a game with a lot of interest. When I uh, uh, Asked Mike Smith, the uh, athletic director, great guy at Totino Grace, by the way, if I could come out to the game. He said, sure, glad to have you. We might not have any space in the press box. So it looks like I will be sitting on top of the press box where oftentimes game films are, uh, are, um, games are filmed with a table and a uh, uh, laptop and probably a blanket <laughs> to watch the game from <laughs> the top of the press box at uh, Totino Grace High School in Fridley. You know, you've always been a... You've always called Tino Grace, uh, supported them for playing up and and everything else. I've been a little less diplomatic sometimes in print, and I've actually had, have heard that at least one of the coaches uh, was swearing at me uh, on a recording that I was even at that game. But I got a kick out of that. But in any case, I think you know you've always been a more of a supporter of this and that. I think Mike did you dirty. I think he should have you in the press box. That's what I think. Well, I found out years ago that press boxes get filled. True. Early, and you have to get to your games and get a spot to kind of claim one first come, first come, first serve, which is what I've generally done. I I don't know if that's going to happen this week, but I will get there early, and if there's a spot I can squeeze in, I may just try to uh, finagle one in the press box. Um, oftentimes, press box spaces are saved for people that media organizations that don't actually spend time in the press box or down in the field during the game, so I'm thinking that might happen. But if not... I'll be ready. I can. Hey, nothing wrong with it. I don't. I'm not elitist. I can sit outside like everybody else once in a while. <laughs> I uh, I'm going to be at on Friday. Now we're going to switch over to the Lakeville. We mentioned number two. The Lakeville Civil War. That's right. We mentioned number two South, number three North. They they're going to get together on on Friday, and I as we do. I emailed the AD at at uh, uh, North the host site. I said Mike Zweber. I said hey. Could I get a reserve spot in the in the press box because I need to manage my in-game duties and this and that? And he writes back. He says, yes, sir, have a spot marked for you. And then I decided because I've, I've known Mike and I like Mike. And so I said, uh, hey, by the way, last week, Rosemount sent up a couple pizzas, sodas, popcorn, and candy. Just saying. 
And I kind of was curious what he would respond. And he you're said, hoping he's taking orders? Is that what well, you're saying? <laughs> I he responds, I'll check with Rosemount to see if they will do the same for you this week at Lakeville North, but I'm not sure they will be as hospitable <laughs> since they aren't part of the game this week. And all I could write back to that was touche. <laughs> so, you know, that, that reminds me, I haven't covered a game at uh, Totino Grace for three or four years, I think. It's been a while. But they always had one of my uh, favorite traditions. And I'm assuming they're still doing it. I have, can't say for sure, but I'm hoping they are. When they score touchdowns, they throw candy. Oh. Like, it's like Halloween candy. It's nice. big, everyone's throwing different Halloween candy handfuls nice. into the crowd. So I'm just hoping people remember to kind of launch some up to the top of the press box because <laughs> yeah. I, I won't be able to reach down. I'm not yeah, going to be able to dive for any. you got to hook up the guy on the roof. So I, sure. just, I just may bring my fishing net to catch whatever <laughs> gets thrown my way. I love it. Yeah, well, this is stuff that makes high school sports fun. And In fact, uh, credit to Lakeville North. So they were traveled to Rosemount last week. And I tell you, I'm sitting on the Rosemount side because that's where the press box is. The North student section, first of all, was plentiful. They traveled really well. And they were loud and they were into the game. I was I was surprised. I don't, I don't feel like I heard the Rosemount students nearly as much as I heard the Lakeville North students. So they were – that that well, that's what makes it fun, you know. I told my daughter the other day. I said, you know, you, she she's you know gets tickets to see Stillwater and and what and enjoys going all those to, to all those games. And I said, you're you're part of what makes high school football great. It's the crowd. It's the pageantry. It's the passion. So that that's that came through at Rosemount Lakeville North from the visiting team. So it was it was fun to to be a part of and to witness. Well, I I will agree. I said that for years. That uh, reason I love covering high school football is because it's a once a week. Community celebration. That's it's right. not just the football team, it's not or the basketball team or the hockey team. It's the entire community. Things things I love are the the youth football players throwing footballs around in the corners of the uh, yep. end zones where the, uh, the there's available grass. The old timers that have been watching the games for forty years. The thing that I've become really really fond of that I don't think enough people pay attention to are the dance teams that come out there and at halftime with not just their dance line, but they oftentimes have the the little Girls, the uh, yes. the dance classes, the girls that are growing up and uh, the looking some, up to the something ets. Yeah, they're <laughs> and they're just these young these little girls. They're five, six, seven, eight years right. old. It's not just they're cute, but to them, and it's the biggest thing that they've got going on. I mean, they're going right. to stand there in front of this crowd with all those Friday night lights and people watching them. Probably not en- en- enough. There's a lot of people that leave the stands at that point, but <laughs> I, I I sit there and I make sure to watch them at the time because they deserve the attention that the football players get because for them it's the most important thing in their lives at that time. So it's just the entire whole atmosphere of being at a high school football game on a Friday night is just one of the best places in the world you can be. I can't think of a better place to be on a Friday night in September. I'm counting on these Thursday and Friday night to be just as good as you've if you as you've described and and I uh, look forward to discussing what we learned from those games next week here on Talking Preps. Thanks a lot.